to uh, begin. So it says in this week's parsha, it says, "Vaidaber Hashem el Moshe," and Hashem spoke to Moshe by Midbar Sinai by Ohel Moed. He spoke to him in Midbar Sinai by Ohel Moed, Be'echad Lachodesh, in the first of the month. Hashini Bishon Hashinis in the second month. Letzis Meiritz Mitzrayim Lemor. When they left Mitzrayim, say, "Su es roish kol adas bnei Yisrael." You should count the head of every single person. Mishpachasam lebeisavusam. You should count all the Jewish people according to their families, all of the head count. Now, as we spoke, if you could see, if you see in our podcast this week's parsha, we have that it's really a problem to count the Jewish people. The Torah does not permit it. As we see in Parsha's Kisisa, take a look in Shemos. In um, if you take a look in Shemos, in Parsha's Kisisa, chapter thirty. Verse number eleven. There it says, "Kisis says, Rosh Bnei Israel, when you will count the Jewish people, lift kill the heaven, and also each kaifer nafshoi. Everybody will give a kaifer nafshoi. If kodesh sam v'lo yia behem negev, you should count them. Each person will give a coin, and the way that they will be counted, they will be counted by this coin. But if they're not counted, if they are, if if they're counted in a different way, then there'll be for them a negev. There will be a plague. If kodesh sam, when you count them, there'll be a plague. So. Rashi here says in Parashat boy that whenever you count somebody, uh, there is an ayin hara, there is an evil eye, and there's pestilence and come on them a plague, like we find in the time of David. So you see that it's prohibited. It is prohibited to count. It is prohibited to count uh, people by number to say one, two, three, four, five. And in that podcast, we discuss at length. All of the different details of when it's prohibited, how one should count, what's the philosophical underpinnings behind it. But suffice it to say that there is a danger in counting. So now that we have in this week's partial, we have a mention of danger towards the Jewish people. We have a mention of the plague. So we have an interesting halachic discussion this evening regarding risk assessment. So we know that we are in the middle of uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Perhaps maybe we're at the tail end of it, or maybe there's an abeyance, maybe there's a pause in the middle. And there is certainly a risk in uh, in 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 going in 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 uh, interacting outside where one may uh, catch the uh, catch the disease. And so the question is: at first, we're going to discuss at least the general concept in in in, in Jewish law about how to handle uh, risky risky situations and how one should approach them and what you what should one do in those situations. And then maybe we'll apply it to our current situation. And then maybe we'll, we'll uh, play around with some numbers. We'll show some numbers to, uh, to frame for us exactly th- what we are saying. We're not going to come to a conclusion exactly because the situation is going to be much more complicated, more complex, and with more variables than we are going to present. But at least the principles we're going to present and, and uh, one can apply or at least think about them themselves. So we begin with the Gemara in Shabbos. The Gemara in Shabbos in page 32a tells us the following. The Gemara says that Rav Yanai said, A person should not stand in a place where it's dangerous to stand. Let's say a person wants to stand on the edge of the, uh, of the Niagara Falls. It's dangerous there or in the middle of a highway. A person should not stand in a dangerous place. Loimar, because what is he saying or what will he say? 
Well, how will he survive? He'll say that in Shemaim they're going to make for him a miracle. That's how he'll survive. Because Shema, because maybe perhaps maybe there won't be a miracle that will be made for him. But if a miracle will be made for him, maybe his schuyos, maybe his his uh, merits will be subtracted in the Shemayim. So maybe there will be a miracle that will be made for him, but everything that he has earned by the performance of mitzvahs and the study of Torah will be subtracted in Olam in the world to come. And how do we know this? We know this because Amram Khan Meikra, Ram says, how do we know this? Because Yaakov Avinu said this. Yaakov said this, Katonti Mikola Chasadim Mikola Emes, I have become small from all the chesed that Hashem has done for me. Yaakov was worried, we know we had, we discussed this many times, Yaakov was worried that, that the chesed, that the kindness which Hashem performed with him, the kindness that he, Hashem performed from him, perhaps maybe that took away from his chusim, it took away from his, from his merits in Shemayim. So therefore we see from this Gemara, the Gemara gives us a directive. The Gemara says that we should not put ourselves in a situation of danger where we're liable to catch a disease, to be hit by a car, to, uh, to, uh, th- that could be uh, for us fatal or damaging to us. A person should not be in a situation of danger. That's, uh, that's what the Gemara says. However, the Gemara also says regarding risk. What happens if the, that's in a situation of, of danger? What about, uh, what about a situation of risk? So, what about a situation of risk? What do you do in such a case? So, there's Gemara's all over Shas to talk about this. There's Gemara's all over Shas to talk about this. And the Gemara basically makes an emphatic statement. Here, in the speci- here's a specific example. The Gemara in Tractate Yuvamis, uh brings an interesting case in page 12b. The Gemara says, Tani Rabbeboy Kameda Rav Nachman, Rabbi taught the name of Rav Nachman, Sholosh Noshim Mishamshes Bemoch. There are three women that are obligated to use a contraceptive so that they should not get pregnant. And one of those examples, Uberes, a pregnant woman, Umenika, one who is, uh, one who is um, nursing, and Katana. And a, 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 a woman that's, that's a minor, meaning she's not a bas mitzvah, maybe she'll become pregnant, and maybe she'll die. So what, the, the, uh, the Gemara, then the Gemara outlines the details of this, of, of how she will die, why is this dangerous, but suffice it to say that it's dangerous for her to get pregnant, therefore she is obligated to use a contraceptive, not to get pregnant, and to have relations with her husband, without the, the possibility of getting pregnant. However, the Chachamim say, and this is the majority opinion, they can have relations, even if there is a possibility that they may get pregnant. Why? Because it says in Tehillim, it says in Psalms 116a, Hashem, that Hashem watches those that are foolish. So Hashem watches those that are foolish, the... the, the um, Hashem watches those that are foolish. What's the concept behind that? So the concept behind that is, is very eloquently explained by Rabbi G. David Bleich. Rabbi G. David Bleich has an article um, in his section that he usually publishes in, the, in Tradition, in, in, the, in, the, in the magazine called Tradition, where he does a survey of recent halachic periodical literature. So in the volume number 37, number 3, fall 2003, in the article of Tradition, he has 
an article about hazardous medical procedures. In the beginning of the article, meaning he has an article of whether or not a person should take, um, should um, partake in hazardous medical procedures. At the beginning of the article, he, he, uh, he discusses this concept and he says the following, I'd like to read it to you. He says, the concept encapsulated in that dictum is that any activity routinely undertaken by members of society and not perceived by them as hazardous is permitted despite the inherent danger. <clears throat> he continues, to the extent that a person is found worthy, divine providence is extended to a simple, quote-unquote simple, who, simple who comport themselves in blissful oblivion of the danger inherent in commonplace activities. However, providential guardianship is not made available to the foolhardy who assume risks shunned by prudent members of society, risk, risks ignored by people in general fall below the threshold of danger which the Jewish law takes cognizance, unquote. So here he says, he says that Shomer Pesayim Hashem, Hashem watches the one who's the foolish, is the basic concept is, is if the, if the society out there partakes in the particular activity, even though it may be inherently dangerous, it may have risks coming along with it. In the Gemara's example, we're talking about conjugal relations with, 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 with a woman who may become pregnant and her being pregnant may be dangerous for her. So, says the, says, says the, 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 the Gemara in, in, in Yavamis, the Gemara in Yavamis says that, that since most people, society at large, partakes in this activity and, so to speak, ignores the danger Hashem watches, watches the, the foolish because it is an act which is, again, quoting him again, routinely undertaken by members of society and not perceived by them as hazardous. So even though an activity may have uh, in it uh, inherent risk, it may have in it an inherent risk, but at the same time, even though it has a risk, but it's not perceived as being hazardous by the people uh, by, by society at large. Therefore, a person, the Gemara claims, may partake in such an activity. However, the continues Rabbi Bleich, the Gemara, what about the Gemara that we said in Tractate Shabbos? Um, uh, what about the Gemara on page Tractate Shabbos on page 32a that the Gemara says that a person should not put themselves in a situation of danger? When does that apply? So he says the concept embodying that the dictum Shamir Pesoyim Hashem is not difficult to fathom. Willfully to commit a daredevil act while relying upon God's mercy in order to be preserved from misfortune is an act of hubris. So if, for example, a person would be a daredevil and they would walk across a highway in between lanes thinking that they're going to avoid the cars as they pass by, it is, continues our Blythe, it is sheer audacity for a person to call upon God to preserve him from calamity which he can himself avoid. Therefore, one may not place oneself in a position of recognized danger, even if one deems oneself to be worthy and deserving beneficiary of divine guardianship. And that's what the Gemara means by that when a person places himself in a situation of danger, which society does not partake in that particular activity, and he says that I will be saved by divine providence, that is hubris. A person is not allowed to rely on a miracle. A person is not... Uh, allowed to rely on a miracle. Continues Rabbi Bleich and he says the following. He says, yet at the same time, it is universally recognized that life is fraught with danger. Crossing the street, riding in an automobile, or even in a horse-drawn carriage for that matter, all involves statistically significant danger. 
as we are going to discuss, we're going to soon mention that, for example, um, accidental deaths in the United States per year, last year in 2019, 169,000 people died from accident, from accidental deaths. So it's not fraught with danger that when a person crosses the street or drives a, or drives a car, it is, of course, inconceivable that continues our life. It is, of course, inconceivable that such ordinary activities be denied to man. Such actions are indeed permissible since the multitude have trodden thereupon. Since, as we mentioned before, in the principle, we've said that Shaymer Pesoyim Hashem, that Shaymer Pesoyim Hashem, that most of society partakes in the activity even though they know that there is inherent risk in that activity since the attendant danger are accept, accepted with equanimity by society at large. Continues Rabbi Bleich, since society is quite willing to accept the element of risk involved, any individual is granted dispensation to rely upon God who preserves the simple. Under such circumstances, the person who ignores the risk is not deemed to be presumptuous in demanding in an ordinary degree of divine protection. On the contrary, he acts in a manner of a, of a simple of a quote-unquote simple who perceive no problems, an act which is not ostentatious, which does not flaunt society accepted norms of behavior and does not draw attention to itself, is not regarded by halacha as unseemly demand for divine protection. The risk involved may be assumed with impunity by an individual who desires to do so. So we have two categories so far. We have the category of a person who is ostentatious in his risk-taking, he jumps off buildings. He uh, balances off buildings. He goes jumpy, uh, bungee jumping. He does. He goes. Uh, what do they call that with the person when they jump off the mountain? With uh, they jump off the mountain and they fly down the mountain, um, in these uh, suits. I forgot already what it's called. The, these they, they they go and the incidence of death in that situation is very very high. So this is an inherently dangerous activity, and a person is flaunting with risk. And that's what. Sorry? Yeah, it, it, a person, it, it's, it, 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 that person is not a lot, is relying, so to speak, on, on the miraculous, on the fact that God is going to save him with some miracle. A person is not allowed to uh, participate in such an activity. However, an activity which everybody takes, everybody crosses the street, everybody rides on the bus, everybody drives a car, everybody flies on the plane, even though there is inherent risk in such activity, but since the society at large accepts it with equanimity and it's not considered to be an ostentatious behavior, behavioral activity that, that, that a person engages in, that even though there is an element of risk, a person is allowed to partake in. Because otherwise, otherwise we would never be able to leave our houses. We happen to be in our houses for the Zoom class, but we would never leave our houses if this would be the case because there is always risk involved in just walking out of the house. There has to be some guideline. There has to be some measure of risk assessment that we all take before we leave the house, before we buy a car, before we move to a specific city, before we go somewhere. And this is the halachic guide, guide, guideline. This is what he says. And that's what he says. Um, yeah, that's what Rabbi J.D. Black says. So this is the, this is the, in terms of the general acceptance of risk assessment, of, 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 um, of doing, of, 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 of uh, partaking in risk, 
this is the general concept in, in, in halacha. We have the response of, from the Binyan Sion. The response of the Binyan Sion asks a very interesting question. This, this sheds a little bit of more light uh, or puts another wrinkle into, puts another wrinkle into, the, uh, in, into everything that we have just said. The response of, we have the, we mentioned the Gemara and Brachos a few weeks ago. The Gemara and Brachos on page, uh, the Gemara and Brachos on page 94 uh, b the Gemara Brachos on page 54b says that there are four people that are obligated to say thanks to Hashem. They are Amar Rabbi Yehuda Amarav, Arboi Arbo Tzvichim Lahodos. There are four people that are obligated to say, to thank Hashem. Yorde Hayam, ones who travel in the ocean. Holchim Edborios, ones who travel in the desert. Umi Shehaya Chole, and somebody who was sick when his and got better. Umi Shehaya Chorosh Bebeis Asurim, and one who was uh, in jail. So they are, as it says in Parsha Sav, are required to bring a carbon shlamim, a peace offering, which is a specific peace offering called the carbon toda, the thanks offering. And today that we don't have a carbon, we don't have the carbonus, we don't have the base amigdash. A person is obligated to come to shul when they are able to come to shul and make what is called the birchas agomel, a bracha of gomel, of thanking Hashem publicly from saving them. So this is the the a person getting sick or going into, let's say, a person traveling in the ocean. A person traveling in the ocean, they have to thank Hashem when they come back. Why? Presumably because they were in, the, in a situation of danger, right? Otherwise, why would they have to thank Hashem? They must have been in a situation of danger when they traveled in the ocean. Once they traveled in the ocean, they were in a situation of danger and they were saved. Now that they were saved or they escaped, there's an obligation for them to thank Hashem. Therefore, they have to either bring a sacrifice or when there's no base on Mikdash, they have to thank Hashem for it in public. Correct? So the Binyan Tzion, in his responsa, asks the simple question. The simple question that he asks is, is that if they are obligated to thank Hashem because they were in a situation of danger, then how are they allowed to partake in the activity in the first place? If the activity is dangerous, then how are they, how are they allowed to get on the ship and travel in the ocean altogether? Good, Shkoyach, you traveled in the ocean, now you come back, you say a bracha. You travel on a plane from Eretz Yisrael to, to Arizona, and you went over the Atlantic Ocean. Most people say a bracha. Why? Because it could be a dangerous situation. You know, there have been planes, as we know, we all read the news today, it's, such, it's so available, it's so easy to access. There have been planes that have been lost, literally lost, for weeks, months, and nobody knew where they were. Ships used to get lost all the time. How is it that we're allowed to travel to Eretz Israel in a, in, a, in a plane over the Atlantic Ocean and then afterwards thank Hashem for the danger? How are we supposed to, how are we allowed to put ourselves in the danger in the first place? That is, um, that is his, that is the, the Binyonzian's question. And he says, he says the following. He says, how is, it how is it permissible to go travel on the ocean or to go into the desert? These are the things that we are obligated to say thanks that we were saved. How could a person put himself in a situation of danger and to transgress what we know the Pasuk says? 
V'nishmartem ve'odis nafshaseichem in Deuteronomy 4.15. It says that you should, you should protect yourselves at all times. Ella, he says, it must be Ella koch of kivin de bo'os v'shah sheholach adayin lekasakana. The answer is as follows, that when a person travels in the ocean, when they get on that ship and the ship leaves port, at that moment there is no danger. The danger is maybe in the future it will become a dangerous situation. But it's not a dangerous situation now. Maybe in the future it will be a dangerous situation, but now it's not dangerous. Now we assume that if a person travels in the ocean and they came in a situation of danger and then they come back, then they have to thank Hashem because they went through the situation of danger and they were, and they were saved. So, so if a person would put themselves in a situation of danger, says the Binyan Tzion, where it would be a directly dangerous at the moment, then they cannot say that they are, they, they are taking an assumed risk without hubris. Right? In that case, then we follow the majority, he qualifies. He says, most boats come back. The majority of boats come back, right? Hopefully we never have to face a statistic like that. A hundred boats go out, 51 come back. So you can assume that you'll be one of the 51 because right now you're not in danger. But, says uh, the Binyon Tzian, if you would, if you would put yourself in danger now, the majority would not be good enough. It would have to be a hundred percent no risk. If you put yourself in it, we'll soon see an example of that. But he, that's the way he explains the Gemara in Yavamis that we mentioned before. That that's why a woman is allowed to have conjugal relations with her husband, even though she may become pregnant. And if she, become preg- if she becomes pregnant, it may be dangerous for her. Why is she allowed to partake in the relations with her husband? Because at the moment that she partakes in relations with her husband, it's not dangerous. I, there is a percentage of people who in that situation, when they partake in a situation, they partake in, the, in, in, they have relations with their husband and then they become pregnant. And then those become pregnant, then become in danger. In that situation, they, they, we, we should, we, we, they, since there is, since there is a, a, a possibility, she should not be allowed. Says the Beyonce, she is allowed. Because in that case, at the time that she's participating in the activity, it's not dangerous. And that's why one is allowed to go on a boat. That's why one is allowed to go in the, in, in the midbar, in a, situ, in a situation where it's not dangerous. And therefore, Rabbi Bleich wants to say, from this responsa, accordingly, use of medication or any substance that has been statistically determined to foreshorten life. Let's say a person would take a medicine. And the statistics say that as soon as you take the medicine, it shortens your life by a few days, let's say. In the majority of users, a 51% of people who partake in this medicine, their life is shortened, cannot be automatically sanctioned. That situation cannot be sanctioned. Why? Simply because of simply because everybody does it. That's not good enough. That is the case even if the danger lies far in the future and even if longevity anticipation is compromised only marginally. If the danger is now, it should be prohibited. That's the guy, that's pretty much the guide. If you, if you, the, it, there's more detail to, to discuss, which we will not discuss this evening. And like we said before, that we're only presenting some of the ideas to put a context to think about the situation that we are in. So let's talk about 
our situation based upon these concepts just for learning's sake, just for learning's sake, because the situation is much more complex than, uh, than, 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 uh, than, than we are presenting it. So, um, yeah. So I put together some numbers just for, I don't know if these numbers are accurate. I did not have a, I did not have a chance to research the numbers properly. I, I don't know the other factors involved. And we all know that there are other factors involved. But just if we take the numbers as they may, based upon the ideas that we presented, and, 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 and analyze them and see what we, uh, what, we have to, what, we, what we think about it. So the principle is, again, one more time, just to summarize, that if a person is putting themselves in, this, in a direct situation of danger, that's prohibited under all circumstances, even, even if the majority survive. However, if they put themselves in a, in a situation if they put themselves in a situation of danger, but everybody does it, meaning it's been the, the activity has been normalized, such as, such as driving a car, then, then that is permissible. However, the Binyan qualifies this and he says that that is only permissible if the, if the danger is in the future, not if the danger is in the present. If the danger is in the present, then, we, uh, then one is not allowed to partake in that activity. Meaning that if the danger is in the future, if the danger is in the future, then we can pretty much follow the majority. If most people survive, if most people survive that situation, then, then, then one is allowed to go and travel in the ocean, for example. One is allowed to have relations with their husband even though they may get married, they may, they may become pregnant. However, if the, if the situation requires, if the danger is now present, then one is not allowed to, to, to partake in the activity, unless they are 100% sure that there is zero chance that they are going to be affected by the danger of that situation. Okay? That's, in summary, what we have said. So now, let's take, for example, let's take, for example, let's, 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 uh, let's play around with, uh, with a few numbers, just in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in our situation. We have a pandemic, we have the coronavirus, the, the virus is uh, very dangerous for a lot of people. If they get it, chas v'sholem, uh, they can die. For some people, it's not dangerous at all, um, and it's just the, it's, it, 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 they just have the symptoms of the flu. Some people don't even have the symptoms at all, whatsoever. Right? This is what we're in the middle of, and uh, Hashem should save Hashem should save us uh, from any more of this of this plague, and it should go away. But let's uh, let's take a look at our state in Arizona, for example. So in Arizona, we have a population of seven point two million. 7,286,000 people. So far, the deaths that we have in Arizona, if I have their numbers right, are 747. 747 deaths out of 7 million gives a percentage of 0.0001% of, of chance of a person in Arizona dying. Let's take now the United States, the entire country, the United the entire country is 300, the population of the United States is 331 million, uh, 331 million people. And so far, total deaths in the United States is 93,622, which gives a percentage, a chance of a person dying of 0.002%, 0.002%. Okay, now the hardest hit state is, now the hardest hit state is, um, 
New York. And New York has a population of 19, 19,400,000. The amount of deaths in New York we have is, Rachman uh, Latzlan, we have uh, 22,843. Which means that if a person lives in New York, their chances of dying are 0.00017. Which is, in Arizona, it's 0. 0.0010. And New York is 0.0017, which is pretty much the same. Chances of New York, New York is slightly higher, but pretty much the same chances of New York based upon percentages of death. So the total death we have in, the total death that we have in the United States is 93,000. Now, how many people died last year from the flu? The amount of people who died from the flu last year are 80,000 people. So 93,000 so far, I mean, we're not, it's not the end of the year. There may be a second wave, like we said, but so far, so far as we're holding in the summer, we have, maybe it'll even be double. We have 93,000. It should not be double, it should not even be one more. The, the amount of people that are dying from the flu are 880,000, which means that the chance of dying from the flu in the United States is 0 0.002, which is the same, pretty much. We're talking about a 13,000 person different, but statistically speaking, it's point, the flu is 0 0.0024, and the, the virus so far is 0 0.0028. Now, the flu, we're talking about the people who had the flu in the winter, right? The virus we're talking about so far the entire time since it started, since January. Fine. So the chances, statistically speaking, are pretty much the same. Now, just uh, let's uh, let's uh, one, let's do one more state because the one more state is Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, we have tw uh, twelve million people, twelve point eight million people, and the amount of deaths we have is four thousand seven hundred fifty-three, and that gives a percentage point of point zero zero three, which is the highest percentage points, even higher than. It's higher than the, 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 the average of the United States, and it's higher than New York. Even though there's only 4,000, not only, but there's 4,000 deaths. Now, but there's an interesting fact about Pennsylvania, and that is, in Pennsylvania, if a person is 20 years old or lower, the chances of them dying from the virus are, wait for it, 0%. Zero. zero. The chances of a person dying if they if they are from uh, in, in they live in Pennsylvania and they're 29 years old is less than five people, less than five people out of 12.8 million people. So we see from this that there are, obviously there are different groups, right? There are different. 20 year olds have zero chance of dying. 20 and up, 20 and up until 29, less than five. After 29 is where we get the percentage of 0 0.0003. After, your, after a person is 29 years old. Okay, these are the stats for the coronavirus. Now, the stats also, I have not, I'm not 100%, these, these are not verified, but we're only using this for example. I think they're true, but I don't have it proven. But last year, the amount of, so again, the total amount of deaths for, for, for the, for the, um, for, for the, for the virus is 93,000. How many people died of medical, medical errors? Last year in 2019, 250,000 people died from that. How many people died, as we mentioned before, from accidental deaths? 
169,956. How many people died from alcohol use? 35,000 people died from alcohol use, which is a third of the virus. The flu, we already mentioned how many people died? 80K. Now wait for this. How many people have died because they are morbidly obese? Because they are fat? And they have diseases from diabetes, heart disease, and all, all these type of things. More than 300,000 people died, which is triple the amount so far, of the, more than triple the amount of the, uh, of the virus so far. Okay, so these are our numbers. Now, let's apply what we just learned, or at least the amount, we, we didn't, we, we, we didn't like, we, like we said, again, we did not do an exhaustive analysis in halacha. We didn't even read the full article of Rabbi J. David Blythe uh, and, and, and look at all the commentaries. We did one responsa with a few gemaras and all the principles that we have. Let's analyze the, let's, let, let's analyze some of the data. Let's take a simple, sim, let's take a simple example. Let's say a person lives in Pennsylvania and they are 20 years old. They're 19. And they want to get together with their with five of their 19-year-old friends in their house and have a party. Or let's say they wanna they wanna they wanna have a, a, a Zoom class from their from their Rebbe. They wanna have a Zoom class from their Rebbe, they wanna learn. 19-year-olds, they wanna serve food, no wearing masks, no social distancing. Okay? Of course, there are other factors. There are other factors that you know one of them may be a carrier, they're asymptomatic. Okay, I understand that. Okay, but let's say in our example. We have these 19-year-olds. In terms of the risk to themselves, should they, should, they, should they, according to what we have learned so far, should they partake in that activity? I would think, I would think, that, I would think that, they, that they should be able to participate in that activity. There is 0% chance that they will die. Zero. Not one person in Pennsylvania under in, uh, uh, 20 years old has passed away. From the, from the virus. Zero percent chance. There is no risk whatsoever. Now, what happens if they're from 20 to 29? So in Pennsylvania, out of 12.8 million people died, uh, sorry, out of 12, 12, the whole population of Pennsylvania is 12.8 million people. How many people between the ages of 20 and 29 died? Five or less. Now, from, uh, let's say a person is 25. Should they participate in that party? Wait, Rabbi? Yes. Um, it just the last, like, 10 seconds cut out. It slowed down. Could you just repeat that of the age group of 20 to 29? Let's say a person is 20, the age group of 20, 29, less than five people in Pennsylvania passed away. So there's a risk, right? Out of 12, out of, I don't know how many 20-year-olds there are in, the, in Pennsylvania, right? But what's their risk of passing away? Five people, five people total. Like I said, we don't have all the numbers. So should they participate in that activity? Is that a reasonable, is that a reasonable risk that they can partake in? Every, every activity in life is, is fraught with risk. You should say yes, right? Now, if a person is in Pennsylvania and they're over 80 years old, now the risk, how many people have died? I don't know if I have that, that stat in front of me, if I remember, let's just for the sake of argument, the over 80 years old, 60% people passed away in, uh, from the coronavirus. So should they participate in activity? Of course not. It's more than a majority. 
of, a, of putting themselves in direct danger that maybe, maybe they'll get the virus. They, they may get the virus, they may die from it. Right? So now, okay, that, that case was easy. But now we say like this. Let's say we're in Arizona. Let's talk about our state. 747 people died out of 7 million out of 7,286. The chances of dying are 0 0.001, which is less than I don't know how many people died. See, I don't I don't know how many people died from the flu in Arizona. But that is less than the total amount of people in the United States that died from the flu percentage-wise last year in 2019. So if a person is, is, uh, is going outside, and we don't have the age groups, uh, we don't have the age groups uh, broken up, but so we, we don't, this, this, is, this is only in theory. We don't know 100%. You see, this is a complicated situation. But if a person in Arizona would just, let's say, take out, go outside, and just, you know, participate in no social, do nothing, what's the chances of them dying? Less than, less than the flu. Less than the common flu. And certainly less than all the other things that we mentioned, alcohol, uh, heart disease, medical errors, all these different things, getting hit by a car. Should they participate in that activity? According to Halacha, it would seem that at this point, it would seem that at this point, that there would be nothing in Halacha that would say, that would say that one should not participate in that activity in terms of the danger that's involved. So, um, that's what it seems to. That's what it seems to be in in in, 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 in this situation. Now, of course, there is like I said, like, like we said, there are. The situation is way more complex. There, 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 there needs to be consultation with doctors. There needs to be. Um, there needs to be consultation with uh, with uh, professionals. And and that that have all the details on the tops of the fingers and know what they're doing, assuming that they know what they're doing. But if in let's say let's say we would have a question of whether or not we should we should uh, have a minion, certainly we would say that if we would follow the CDC guidelines, uh, where we would have social distancing, where we would uh, wear masks. Uh, as they as they ask, where we would not have more than the number of the people that they uh, require to 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 be in the building. Certainly, uh, it should be that we should we we should devise a way to be able to uh, extricate ourselves from our current situation and uh, make minyanim, or even make classes for that for that matter. As long as we follow the guidelines, because even if we didn't follow the guidelines, or perhaps maybe it's because we are following the guidelines. According to the halacha, the risk seems to be, at least according to the numbers that we are presenting, seems to be normal, quote unquote, normal at this point. It seems to be, it's, the risk seems to be, or let's put it like this, the risk seems to be normalizing at this point, right? We are, uh, <clears throat> everybody knows that, for example, government policy and also Torah policy also, Whenever we make a decision about, about uh, here, here's an example that I heard, right? Who are the people that get into an accident the most? There's two groups of people that dominate the statistics of getting into accidents. And that is teenagers 
So if you're 20 or below, you are very, there's a very high risk. Um, all, th- those of us that, that pay insurance for cars, for teenagers, know um, how much that costs. There's a very high risk of getting into an accident. And who else? 80 and higher, older people are more in danger of getting into a car accident. Everybody else in between, they're not, they're not the ones who get into the most of the car accidents. So there's a very simple thing that the government can do. The speed limit on the highway in the, on, the, on the 17 is, uh, what is it? I forget, is it, David, is it 70 or 75? I think it's, it's over 70, the speed limit on the, on the 17. Um, yeah, why? you're right. It's, it's like 70, it's 75, no? Is it 75 on the 10? So, and, and, yeah, so what? 85. Not on the 17. Not on the 17, sorry, the 10. I meant on the 10. On the 10, it's, it's 75. So very simple. Or you can, if you lower the speed limit, if you lower the speed limit to 50, or let's say 35, less senior citizens are going to get into an accident, right? Because they're not good. There's a, lot, a lot of them will follow the speed limit, no? So, so, so therefore... We should lower the speed limit. We should drive it. We should drive at thirty-five to to save all those people. But obviously, the government is making a calculation that it's worth the risk to keep the speed limit at seventy-five because of economical considerations. Um, then to lower it to fifty, even though they know that inevitably people who are who are who have uh, are challenged by driving are going to get into accidents and they're in their fatal accidents and they're going to get into fatal accidents. So, the, on the government decision, on, a to, on public policy decision also, when we, uh, you know, if, if we would close all the shuls forever, for example, let's say we would close all the shuls. A lot of people drive to shul. I don't know, I don't have the statistics in front of me. I don't know how many people get into accidents while they're driving to shul. I don't know. Or walking to shul. But I, I'm sure that if we would close down the shuls completely, then we would, we would avoid a lot of uh, accidents, uh, maybe holdups, there are shootings that have been in, in synagogues and, 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 and attacks. We'd avoid all those things. But we, we make a decision, a public policy decision, that will open up the shul, and even though there is a risk associated with it, we're going to partake in, in that risk. The question now is, how high is the risk? And that is what we discussed. How high is the risk? And the basic, without getting into numbers, the basic parameters are, if the risk is clear and present right now, then one is not allowed to partake in that risk. If the risk is far off and, and everybody does it, meaning society at large does it, people go to church, people drive, uh, they do it with equanimity, they do it, without a, they do it without a problem, then one is allowed to partake in that risk. Even, uh, well, and that's the discussion of the medical procedure. I mean, every operation, forget about a hazardous medical procedure, but every operation, Every operation is, uh, every single operation requires, there is some risk. I've heard horror stories, we all have. But people partake, is one allowed to have an operation? Because they may not wake up from the general anesthesia, because generally speaking, most people do it, most people get general anesthesia. And then Hashem watches, quote unquote, the simple. Hashem watches the people because most people are taking it with equanimity. They, society at large is willing to take on that danger. If society at large is willing to take on that danger, then one is permitted to, 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 
to, to engage in that activity. If a person would go out into the ocean, he's also allowed to take in that activity. I mean, it, let's say that their boat would come out and there's a storm raging. And there's a report saying that the waves are 50 feet high and the boat shouldn't go out and it's raining, right? Uh, I, don't know, I, I don't remember under what circumstances did the Titanic go out. Did the Titanic go out on the dangerous circumstances? I seem to recall that there were reports that there, was, that there were icebergs all over the place and it was ignored, right? There was an article in the paper that said only God can sink the ship. So, and, 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 he, and he did, I guess, apparently. So, I mean, if a boat goes out in a, in a, a boat goes out in a situation of danger, of course, you know, if a, if a boat, you know, if it's, if, if everything is, the waters are calm, the, the ship goes out. Most, most ships come back, no problem, even though it's dangerous. So, so, so one is allowed to go out. There was a little bit of waves. Come back, say a bracha, bring a carbon. Fantastic. But to go out when it's dangerous, of course, one is not allowed to do that. One is putting themselves in a direct, present, clear, and danger. Is that the case? The question that we ask ourselves, and we're not the ones necessarily making public policy unless we are rabbis of shuls or presidents of... Uh, presidents of, of, of shuls or, or leaders in the community, we have to ask ourselves, what are the dangers involved? What are the risks? Are those risks commonly accepted? And it happens to be that in our state, even though they can do whatever they want, right? They can do whatever they want. But in our state, it happens to be that these risks are being accepted with the CDC guidelines, right? In our state, the, the governor has, quote unquote, opened up the state. As a matter of fact, I don't know if everybody knows this, but there was never a uh, an executive order never covered the the executive order never covered the the churches and the shuls. There was never a prohibition by the executive order. There's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of be services. Services were always permitted. So, we, we, we following the CDC guidelines. So this was not even not even a question. So it seems like, and 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 then the feeling that I get is in in places that are not dangerous, slowly but surely society is is is. Is, is beginning to, is begin, it's in the, in the infant stage. There may be a second wave, we don't know. In the infant stage, slowly, slowly the society is beginning to, um, to accept the danger in, involved in this, in this virus. So these are some of the ideas that I wanted to share from the perspective of, the, of halacha with everybody this evening so that we have something to think about when we... Uh, Maybe, perhaps, maybe we make personal decisions, at least not communal decisions or public policy decisions, about about uh, about the uh, the risks that we take and the situations that we put ourselves into, uh, given the fact that each individual has to be responsible for 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 themselves and 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 their families and the individuals around them in terms of cleanliness, in terms of the communication of this virus, which spread and is contagious. This is something to uh, perhaps maybe consider to think about or maybe research further for us to, uh, to see what the halacha says about it. So that's what I wanted to share with everybody this evening and uh, have a good Shabbos. Thank you, Rabbi. Everybody All right, thank you. Here. Take care, bye-bye. Thanks, Rabbi. Yeah, thanks, Rabbi. That was interesting. Yeah, I love the talk. Yeah.